Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series on careers in the atmospheric and related sciences. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Rex Warner, and we'll be your hosts. Our podcast series will give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. We are excited to introduce today's guest, Jeff Strong. He is a research scientist at AIR Worldwide in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, y'all. Jeff, could you tell us a little bit about what sparked your interest in science and how it influenced your educational path? Sure. Uh, As my undergraduate advisor would say, I've sort of been a weather weenie for life. Ever since I was a kid, I've been extremely interested in severe weather. Um, My mom has a great story about me tornado chasing as a toddler. Uh, But my parents were both scientists, and so that sort of set me on a uh, very early academic path. And I had originally wanted to go to undergrad as a, a math major, but thankfully I took some classes in an uh, environmental science program at uh, University of Virginia and just sort of took off from there, um, fell in love with meteorology, climatology, um, the, the broader space of environmental science, and one thing led to another. I basically followed the academic path um, as far as it would go and, and earned my PhD in 2016. Now, oh, congratulations on that. Thank you. Well, so you went as far as you could go in academia. And um, did you hold any jobs outside of your main studies during that time, uh, research assistant positions? And then what did you do after you finished your PhD? What was next? Sure. Uh, so... Probably the first position uh, sort of related to the broader weather sphere uh, that I held was actually while I was an undergrad, uh, I worked in the climate office uh, at UVA that is sort of in charge of the, uh, the regional um, climate records. Uh, it was a lot of, of tidying up old paper records that date it very far back. Uh, um, but the next... Real, I didn't have any other positions through grad school uh, besides just uh, research uh, and the associated work of academia. Um, once I got my PhD, I swiftly transitioned to a postdoc, my first postdoc position uh, in San Diego um, at Scripps Institute for Oceanography. Uh, that was a year-long research position where I finished it up and then transitioned to my second postdoc at the Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory uh, just outside New York City, uh, here back in the Northeast. What was it like? How did you choose those different locations for your postdocs? And what was the application process like for, for those positions? Uh, well, as many people uh, in the field probably can guess, it is uh, largely tied to just chasing the money. Um, wherever, whoever had funds to uh, support a uh, postdoc uh, largely guided my interests, uh, at first at least. Um, going to San Diego, uh, I worked in the uh, group of Shangpeng Shi, who is a, a noted tropical climatologist primarily. Um, but I, or I came into contact with him through my graduate advisor, uh, Gabriel Vecchi, uh, they had done some work together, and on one of Shangping's trip to our lab, uh, we got some time together, and I sort of talked to him about, hey, 
is there any possibility that when I graduate in the next year or two, uh, that there might be a postdoc position open with you? There might be some funds. And he was very open to it. Um, and as I got closer to the end date, uh, we filled out a formal uh, proposal together. And uh, as soon as I graduated, I cleaned up shop and moved out west. The second postdoc I did was a much more formal uh, application process. That was, um, it started out with a job advertisement coming across uh, one of the many meteorological mailing lists. I think it was Tropical Storms mailing list um, for a position uh, at Lamont in collaboration with NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies in New York, uh, helping them build a uh, climate model. Uh, and so I thought, you know, this is totally my background. Uh, I love working with tropical storms. Let me put in my name. And within a month or two, I'd heard back and we just sort of got went back and forth with my advisors there. Well, my soon-to-be advisors there, Adam Sobel and Susanna Camargo. And the application went through and I picked up shop and moved back across the country. <laughs> and then I assume um, kind of postdoctoral positions by their nature are sort of a limited time frame. So then that led you to uh, where you are now at AIR, correct? Yes. What was that transition like? Uh, that one was more of a mental transition, I would say. Um, like you said, postdocs are very transient um, and very much dictated by the amount of funding and support available for them. Um, I had been coming up on a sort of review cycle in my second postdoc and decided that you know I, I had gone through the entire grad school, I had done some postdoc works, and I always had this nagging feeling that maybe academia wasn't the right path for me. So I started reaching out um, and exploring through my network any sort of positions that dealt with weather uh, or climate, um, and if there was any openings. And sure enough, there was one. I applied for it. I, I let my advisors uh, at Columbia know, and they were very receptive um, which was a great feeling. And it was nice to know that I, I still had the time for another year of my postdoc, and this was more of a personal choice to, to exit the academia sphere and enter industry. Great. So, Jeff, what opportunities do you wish you may have pursued now that you're at AIR Worldwide? Are there any courses or any other types of activities that you wish you engaged in that might have been helpful? Uh, the... Biggest suggestion for at least my past self uh, would be to focus less on. I, I, I entered undergrad doing a, a, a what's called a pure mathematics career path that is sort of the mathematician in a, in a as a professor level of math and not necessarily the applied version of math. Um, I wish that I had instead very much used the applied route <laughs> as I don't find myself finding curvature of, of rings anymore as I do doing financial analysis. Um, so that's probably one uh, suggestion I would make. Definitely finding the applications uh, for the, the science and math that you're learning. Among your colleagues, do you have a sense of um, how do you describe the job market for meteorologists, uh, other researchers in this field going forward into the future? So my general feeling coming from the direction that I, I have been uh, that academia is still bottlenecked. 
uh, in more ways than one. Um, there's a lot of very, very bright students coming up through it and not a lot of positions opening up. So if you want to commit to an academic path, be sure about it um, and work hard and you'll find a position. I know plenty, plenty of success stories, but they are truly for the dedicated um, and passionate academic uh, mindset. For private industry, if you are interested in weather or climate or any of the related environmental fields, um, I'd say now is actually a very, very promising time to to jump into it. Um, a lot of companies are who either already have the background in weather and climate are hiring or are companies that, given the current um, climate change, are trying to open up uh, and hire people who can help them better prepare for uh, any future scenarios that they might encounter. Jeff, could you walk us through a typical day on the job so that our listeners have an idea of what it's like to work at AIR? Sure. So AIR is an international company. Uh, We have offices around the world. Uh, so my day usually starts with, um, the typical going through emails and catching up with things that have happened overnight, uh, as well as conference calls with some of our foreign offices, uh, just because of the time differences. Uh, and then the rest of the day tends to be structured around, uh, individual projects, either in meetings or independent work or, or even just, uh, offhand one-on-ones with uh, fellow uh, workers. The company is, is sort of structured um, into, or at least my end of the research uh, division at AAR is structured into individual hazards. And so I tend to work a lot with uh, fellow tropical cyclone uh, researchers. And the core purpose of, of what we're doing is to sort of build models of uh, risk associated with a particular hazard. Uh, So that involves, in my end, building hurricane models for individual areas around the globe, testing them, and updating our our risk catalog. We also, now that uh, the hurricane season has has begun, uh, offer a sort of semi-real-time alert system uh, that is uh, sort of semi-operational in that as a hurricane develops and begins to threaten uh, a a high-risk area, uh, we issue alerts and run our models in a sort of synoptic, semi-operational sense to help people on the ground uh, prepare for uh, any sort of outcome. So are there like specific clients that, you know, you're assigned to, or do you do some of the research work that you then forward on to, you know, client service staff at AIR, and then they forward that on to the, uh, to the stakeholder? How does it work? Uh, so more on the second end, I, I, uh, every now and then we'll get questions from individual clients and, and we address those with respect to that individual client, but much of my work is geared towards the broader research um, or science. And so it's more about building up models that we then package and ship off to individual companies or shareholders or, or what have you. Um, is there a lot of programming involved in it? Yes, yes. Um, it's largely a, a coding operation. There is uh, some analysis 
as well, uh, data analysis. Uh, we're dealing with not only models, but observations. And so uh, we have to be aware of limitations of both of those and how to quality control uh, both of those. Sounds very, sounds very interesting. So Jeff, what do you feel you like most about your job, whether it be a certain type of person you get to work with, a certain stage of a project achievement or um, particular topic area, what, um, what spikes your interest the most? So I am incredibly interested in tropical cyclones and, and hurricanes. Uh, that's sort of something that, that came about when I was a graduate and undergraduate student. But I've also always been interested in not only dealing with the day-to-day um, forecasting work of, you know, this hurricane is building in the Atlantic. Is there any chance that it'll hit Florida? And if it hits Florida, how bad would it be? Um, should we prepare? Should we warn clients? But also the other side of, on average, can we expect this to come through? Can we build a model that sort of simulates that? Can we better understand the underlying science and use that to upgrade our forecasts? And so where those two meet in my job is, is where I find the most joy. Um, this is, I should say, my first year uh, working with AIR. And so this is my first hurricane season with them. But so far, it's been exactly what I'd imagine. Of uh, You have the operational end of forecasting that I find incredibly interesting and fun and new every day, as well as the uh, modeling side of it that is continually updating. You're continually making it better and finding out new tools, uh, new code, new ways of analyzing data uh, to better our company's product. Sounds like the perfect job for you. So on the other end, what do you find challenging about the job? Uh, The most challenging part is... I would say it, it's similar to a lot of what um, scientists deal with, and it's just uh, translating what you do from the high-level science to not necessarily laymen, but to um, other scientists or non-scientists, just other people, and trying to communicate um, what you're doing, what you're seeing, and addressing it to a certain group's interests. Uh, so, for instance, the the... The work that I'm doing on uh, North Atlantic hurricane model is very scientific, very rigorous, and I can show that level of rigor to my fellow uh, research scientists in my group. But then when I address the, say, the vulnerability team that studies the, the loss from this hazard, I have to sort of dress it down and say, it's less about sort of quasi-geostrophic effects, and it's more about the wind is being funneled into here. You're going to see a lot more issue with wind and surge at this inlet because of the geography. Um, and then when you deal with the financial end of things, you have to effectively communicate what you're doing into their specific vocabulary. How does the work-life balance uh, treat you at your current job? I love it. I mean, I'm I'm coming from academia where it's there's basically no off day. <laughs> uh, to now, it's a very structured nine to five. You get into the well, it's more like eight to five for me. But uh, you get into the office. Your mindset is okay. I have eight hours to do what I need to do. Let me get it done. And then once the bell rings at 
four thirty, five o'clock, uh, you get up and you just you don't have to worry about it anymore. I can go and have the the social life that I, in some ways, uh, was missing in academia. That sounds like a welcome relief. Right, yeah. and you're in Boston, too, so it's like a great city to be able to yeah, yeah. have some Although I'm a time. bit quarantined now, so it's, uh, it's right. a lot more local. <laughs> and um, besides the quarantine, do they offer you the opportunity to, to work from home you know, normally? Yes, actually, it's, uh, when I was doing the job hunt, uh, AIR sort of stuck out to me in the amount of benefits they offered to you, one of which is a dedicated uh, one-day-a-week work-from-home policy that you just need the, the first one okayed by your immediate supervisor, and then it's, it's good to go for the rest of whenever. I mean, now it, I'm always working from home, but... Right, right. <laughs> but this will be over. Yeah, Fingers yeah. crossed. Once, once this is over, uh, I will look forward to having my Fridays. <laughs> is there anything really exciting that happened to you, either uh, while you were in school or while you were um, doing any research or field projects? Is there anything in particular, an event or maybe an opportunity to travel that you would say, yeah, this, that was a really great time. Probably the most exciting part of, of my career so far has been the, the moves between the various schools. Uh, so I, I did my undergrad. I should say I grew up in Pennsylvania and then did my undergrad at the University of Virginia and then did my graduate school in at Princeton in New Jersey. So I sort of south to north or north to south to north. And then my first postdoc in San Diego was my first time living out west. And driving across the country to get out there was just a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, but then when that postdoc ended, I drove back out east to New York. And so I got to experience that twice. And that was life-changing. It was it was very, very exciting and uh, thankfully, one of those I got to do with my my father, which is an experience I'll never forget. Uh, the other I did solo, which is was amazing for its own reasons. What do you like better, West Coast or East Coast, or do you like them both? Oh, I I am I very much am an East Coast guy, but I can totally get living on the West Coast. Yeah, that, that <laughs> weather in San Diego. I mean, you can't oh, beat that. I miss that. Oh, <laughs> Every my day God. is perfect. <laughs> Every day, you don't have to worry about the weather. You just wake up and it's sunny and 70. <laughs> yeah, I agree, though. If you grow up on the East Coast... Uh, I like you, I like a little misery tough. in my life. <laughs> yeah, me too. You, you're going to miss the snow. Yeah, and, very much so. In the, in the history, and you know, it's, it's, it's pretty nice being on the East Coast, <laughs> even though people hate the winters. Yeah. So, Jeff, I know um, you've only been in your current job for one year, so I'm, I'm asking this next question broadly and... Um, not talking about any immediate plans, but is there anything you'd be excited to take on in the future? Um, you know, either hypothetically, like different part-time role, a different uh, volunteer opportunity, different career path that kind of intrigues you that you might want to try out in the future. So I came to the realization when I was sort of deciding if I wanted to stay in academia or industry that no matter what career path I took, I wanted it to deal with weather or climate on a daily basis and not just as a side note. Um, so that's why I found this position and was just so excited um, to jump on the opportunity. Uh, that being said, 
the transition from academia into industry sort of, I feel like it frees up my reservations on what jobs I could actually jump into. I still very much want them to deal with weather and climate on a daily basis. But now that I'm in the private sector, I realize there's a lot more opportunity out there. So where my career will take me, I, I'm, I'm unsure. I'm very happy with it right now, but I'm always open to new opportunities. In terms of the work-life balance opening up, I would love to get back into some volunteer work. Um, uh, I, was, I was doing a little bit of uh, teaching and volunteer teaching uh, as a postdoc and a graduate student, but now that I have a lot more free time on my hands, uh, I'd like to get back into some more uh, community events, uh, maybe with local museums, um, anything to really get out and meet some new people and teach some good science. How about professional development opportunities? Do you engage in any of those to keep current or do you have plans for um, doing anything additional? My company actually wants us to stay up to date with, uh, so say like AMS or AGU, uh, they pay for us to go to conferences uh, once a year um, and keep up to date with what's new in the science. Uh, I still uh, keep very close contact with my old academic network uh, in case there's any new science that comes across the wire. I'm actually still involved uh, with some scientific projects uh, with my last uh, postdoc at Lamont um, that might lead to some interesting papers. And Actually, one of the coolest parts of AIR and its parent company, Verisk, is they have just enormous library of professional learning tools uh, from, say, learning a new coding language to, to actually taking courses at local colleges, and they pay you uh, to do this. Nice. So as soon as I, I think there's like a 90-day limit on that, but I, I'm sure I've passed that now. Once those opportunities open up, I'm good. You'll, you bet I'm going to jump on like every single one that I can. It sounds like you have plenty to keep you busy, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say a student, freshman in college, comes up to you. They say, I love meteorology, but I have absolutely no idea what I need to do to establish my career. Where do I start? What would you say to them? I would say, so if you're in college, you should try and find your local meteorology, environmental science, any sort of uh, earth-related department, and just start asking around, um, see what people are working on, uh, see what interests them, see if your interests align with theirs, especially if you're just starting off in undergrad. I I know from my experience that you're not going to have a lot of ideas of what's out there, but People will tell you that it's, it's always networking, meeting with people, broaden your horizons, just talk to as many people in the field, both collegiate and government. Uh, I remember uh, when I was a teen, actually, my dad caught on that I was very interested in weather and took me out to our local uh, weather forecasting office for some like summer night event that they were hosting. I think it was for their citizen storm alert. And I just got to meet with uh, a bunch of the scientists that work there and talk to them about, you know, what makes you interested in doing your job? What 
do you find exciting and, and taking that in and sort of thinking, do I find that exciting? Would I enjoy doing that? And if not, then that's eh, fine. You know, talk to someone else, find something else. But if it does excite you, then what path did they follow? Can I follow in a similar path? And it sounds like taking advantage of your advisors is like, helped you out a lot as well because you know the meteorology departments are usually pretty small and it's a small kind of close-knit group yeah very much so but it it is nice in that especially in academia everyone seems to know everyone and so you can once you get a foothold into the network you can very easily uh, make new acquaintances and, and get your name spread around jeff we always ask our guests one last fun question at the end of each podcast what is your favorite food? Oh, gosh. Uh, my favorite food is actually something my mom found years ago and now makes for my birthday. It's called chicken tie wraps. It's basically like a, a glorified uh, chicken burrito, but the key to it is this peanut sauce that I don't know how many tubs of peanut butter she puts in there, but it's <laughs> like a molten Reese's cup. It is so good. Google it. I'm sure just the peanut sauce alone you could use on anything. Peanut butter makes everything better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have Thai food about once a week myself, and I always oh, order so extra peanut sauce on the side. <laughs> so that sounds delicious. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Jeff, and for sharing your work experiences with us. No, thank you for inviting me along. Well, that's our show for today. Please join us next time, rain or shine.